Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is the September 1st, 2018 edition. Joining me today, we've got Adam Vitali. Hello. Hello. And we've got the return of Adam Reese. Hello. Hello. So we've got the Adams here. Uh, <laughs> Adam and Adam and Zach. So, yeah. Um, it's been kind of fun. It, it, we're in the midst of a holiday weekend. All three of us are from America, so we're going to be honoring Labor Day weekend after all. And so it's pretty much the excuse to get super lazy um, because by Monday, no one's in the office anyway, so we're not expecting any news. So we can all sleep in and have fun without worrying about the site too much. So, uh, Except we have Kyle yes. doing like all the work for us at PAX this weekend. It's crazy. Uh, so, PAX, yeah, is, PAX West. Yeah, PAX West is going into Labor Day. And so, you know, they apparently don't honor that <laughs> Labor Day pact. Yeah. But, uh, hats off to Kyle. He's been posting some pictures from the event. We've already got some articles up for um, The Good Life. And uh, he's has he done another one, I think? Uh, that, that was the only uh, impressions piece. We did. A, we got a couple of news bits out of yeah. like Nice America and Sega and things like that. But yeah, but he's like uh, Kyle's checking out like Anthem. He checked out a few other games. I know not an RPG, but he he really wanted to play Devil May Cry, uh, and he checked that one out. Uh, I, I saw that he so, uh, snuck into the, the Fortnite tent. <laughs> they usually have uh, cookies. Like if it was anything like Anime Expo, they have cookies, popcorn, and uh, stuff to drink. And so that's the only time I would ever duck into a Fortnite tent is just for that stuff. I mean, I'm I not actually like, see, like how long he could be in there before somebody noticed and pushed him out or something. It's actually kind of crazy. Like I was actually in Seattle where PAX West is on Thursday, yeah. the day before. So they were had, they had a lot of stuff setting up or already set up or getting set up. Boxes. And like, if you're coming in like from the main highway into Seattle, so not from the airport, I drove there. Um, that, th- that Fortnite tent is like, right in front of you and it's this huge like electric uh like tv screen uh and you know tent and all this stuff uh fortnite is big that's impressive uh all they had at anime expo was just a um i was at e3 am i mixing up anime i think it was anime expo they just had a giant bus (laughs) that's all they oh i mean it, it did dominate a good part of the show floor but at the same time it just goes to show how insanely massive that place is getting. Like them and but, Psy Games are growing rapidly. Also, PAX, you know, is open, you know, to the public, and it, like it's yeah. open. It's more. It's more like it's a little bit more family oriented. Like you, you'll see, you know, parents with children uh, at PAX more than you would at any other convention, probably. Uh, and so, like a lot of kids that age. Fortnite is a big thing, so you can kind of that makes sense to have that presence there. It's yeah. Well, let's let's stay on the topic of you going to Seattle on Thursday. Um, of course, you're, you're a few miles away from there, so it's not exactly easy to get over there uh, when you want to. Uh, but you were there to check out Nintendo. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about regarding uh, your yeah. visit there? So unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to PAX this year. I don't have a badge or anything, but Nintendo invited us to go to their Nindies event. Which is which is Thursday before PAX. Yeah. Um, Pre-PAX. Now, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, poor Kyle. Yeah, poor, poor Kyle. <laughs> well, he his uh his travel arrangements. You know, this 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 was kind of set up almost a little late last minute, and like so he didn't have his travel arrangements. He there was a chance he was going to get there in time on Thursday. It turns out he didn't. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of one reason why I decided. Yeah. yeah, he had to come from Canada, so. Going through customs is kind of always a crapshoot. You never know how long it's going to take. But 
Uh, yeah, so I, I live about three hours away, so it's not like a nothing drive, but it's it's manageable. Like, sure, I can take the day off and drive up there to go to visit Nintendo. Um, so I did. And it was just an indies event. So, like, nothing, like, I didn't get to see, like, the inner workings of the next, you know, Fire Emblem or anything like that um, localization. But they had a bunch of the indie games that are coming out soon and into next year. Um so we got to check them out. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was kind of a low, uh, low key, laid back sort of affair. Um, but this was the first time they actually held this event at the headquarters. Um, right. And so that was, you know, it, it was kind of obvious just the way it was set up and the way it was handled that this was something that they don't do very often, <laughs> like having these events where they invite media into their headquarters to do this. Um, but it was still pretty cool. Um, it was mostly indie devs, so no one like you know, not like any huge, you know, software like developers or anything there uh, for like huge games. But they had a uh, Suda Fifty One was there, and he was showing off uh, Travis Strikes Again, of course. which I guess they are counting as indie. It's sort of an indie game. No more now. Heroes uh, sequel. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like, so he was there. Uh, I just shook his hand. You know, I I don't. I actually don't have don't have much familiarity with Suda games, so I really can't like sh- couldn't share anything with him. I just said, <laughs> hey, nice to meet you. Oh, you're um, missing out. There's something about those games that are so quirky. Yeah. but you know, I think that's uh, might turn you off as well. I think knowing the type of pl- person you are, and the type of player, <laughs> not the person, but the player. Hey, I like weird stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had a bunch of indie games there for. The RPG relevant stuff, unfortunately, a lot of it were ports. So, like nothing brand new. Uh, like they had the super giant, super giant games was there, uh, and they had Bastion and they had Transistor. Did you meet Greg? Um, I, no, Greg was not there. I oh. met Amir. Oh, uh, who cool. Amir? I didn't know him beforehand, but he's one of the uh, one of the OG guys. Like he, you know, he said he's like one of the few people who was there when they worked on Bastion years ago and they've grown since then. So they have a lot of new, new blood since then, but you know, he's one, he was, he was there representing Supergiant, and he's one of the OG kind of people for that indie group. Um, I played those two games. I played into the breach, which is kind of this, uh, it released actually last week on switch or earlier this week. Um, I think. Yes. Yes, it did this week. Yeah. I was trying to remember how that handled. That's that's kind of like a tactical grid based sort of indie XCOM. Yes, uh, yes. it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this bite sized XCOM, um, Fire Emblem sort of RPG tactical sort of game. Uh, I had not played this game yet, uh, and I only got a, a taste of it. But it's this really cool uh, sort of like puzzly tactics game um, that's very digestible. Uh, there's a lot of cool things you can do with it in terms of how you uh, your tactics, basically how you approach the maps and how you can deal with the various enemies and your objectives. Um, so that was cool. Then I also got to check out Hyper Light Drifter, which I had already played on PC. Uh, so they're bringing that to Switch, uh, and it's got it's mostly the same game. I mean, there's nothing super different about these games being on switch but hyper light drifter they have like a new boss and a new little sort of arena tower area that you can go to that's right now only for the switch version so it has a, a little bit of that exclusive content there i tried fighting the boss uh i died a few times and i couldn't my my i didn't have enough time to learn his patterns enough to beat him uh shame on me <laughs> but 
That's good. That's also, good. I checked out a couple of non-RPG games. Uh, Suda was actually very uh, amused by the uh, the Untitled Goose game, where you like play this. <laughs> you play this uh, like asshole goose <laughs> just messing with people. I guess I it didn't looks play like it. A but... fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. So he he was like he was just he seemed pretty amused by that. Um, so yeah, it was just this fun little event. It was it was nice for Nintendo to invite us. Um, got to see some of these games so it's kind of nice that these a lot of these indie games especially like bastion and transistor and heck even hyperlight drifter they're sort of uh you know these modern sort of classic indie games um that have all reviewed and been received really well and i know into the breach is some people's favorite game this year so far so it's nice that those are going to be available on switch Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is that Switch has definitely become uh, a port machine, uh, which is kind of like what the Vita and the PSP were, which makes some sense considering it's replaced those uh, handhelds. Um, they're putting like, what, 20 different, 20 to 25 smaller games on the eShop every week. And so Into the Breach, uh, these types of games like that and Hyperlight Drifter, they, they make for perfect handheld titles, especially Into the Breach. Like that makes a lot of sense there. Um considering like it's from the makers of ftl and so yeah uh it's it's that game was great on mobile i played it plenty of times there and then into the breach uh looks like it'll really fit that too and so um yeah just it, it's 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 way it's a great way to get that fix that you want um and that library continues to grow at a surprising rate i just hope it doesn't become kind of like steam is where i mean it already is in a way uh where all the hot titles are getting buried because uh, they're coming out so fast and so there's so many of them um, but and, and the much, the titles you mentioned, like Into the Breach and Hyperlight Drifter, people really need to play those games, especially Hyperlight Drifter. That's a class. That's like a instant classic in my opinion. I love that game a lot. Like the music and the action, the animation, sprite work, it's superb. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the games that I hope you get to check out more of. But let's stick with you, um, Adam, since we were already talking about this. But um, uh, let's move away from these newer games and move back to an older title. Uh, it looks like you're finally getting your way through Rogue Galaxy. I assume you were kind of like me, that you had some false starts with this game before you are finally trying to get through it? Well, so... So first of all, it would be really nice if I could play Dragon Quest Eleven right now if Square Enix just released it before the holiday weekend and not the day after. Uh, I don't get uh, it. It's Sony, I guess, because that it doesn't make any sense because Dragon Quest historically has been the one that what was it like that um I think it's like an urban legend that they had to change the release date in Japan, the early ones, because uh, kids would skip school so much that it was causing a problem. <laughs> so that I, makes I, sense. I wouldn't put it past it. No. So yeah, I'm just kind of biding my time waiting to play that. And so Rogue Galaxy is the, for people who might not be aware, it's a level five RPG that released on PlayStation 2 back around the end of the PS2 life. It was like 2006 or seven, um, something like that. So level five, they developed uh, their their most recent titles are like Nino Kuni. Um, and this is one of those games, I grew up with a lot of brothers and I was living with uh, my twin in college, and that was actually when he played Rogue Galaxy for the first time. So I kind of experienced it secondhand. Like, I watched him play most of the game, like large chunks of it, but I didn't actually play it myself. So I kind of had this secondhand experience. Um, it released, it re released on PlayStation 4 a couple of years ago now, I think 2015. Uh, and I just kind of decided, you know what, I want to just play this game for myself, kind of get actually rather than relying on the sort of secondhand memories that I have, just kind of just play, play it myself. Yeah. Uh, so 
playing through it. It's it's a sort of uh, it's kind of a an an early um, sort of menu based action RPG. So it's uh, kind of like the first Nino Kuni, I guess. Yes. Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah. So it's it's not like quite turn based, uh, but it's not really like a fluid action RPG either. It's sort of this hybrid sort of thing. Um, and how do I put this? I don't really love the game. I don't adore the game, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's terrible. It's, it kind of has that issue that I run into with a lot of level five games and that there are a lot of systems that they put in this, into these games. And I don't think they always mesh together all too well. It's just kind of, it feels like they're trying to, you know, the kitchen sink approach where they just kind of try to stuff it with a bunch of stuff. Um, some of the dark, dark cloud, I think kind of had that issue, uh, Nino Kuni in a sense. Absolutely. Uh, so level five, they they sometimes I think go a little bit overboard and just trying to put these various systems in their games, and it doesn't I think always work to its benefit. But you know, it's I'm just kind of having this casual, fun play through the game. Uh, I don't know. I really don't have all that more to say about it. Uh, no, I mean that's that's you the play thing, it, right? Yeah, uh, I mean I, I, I play it myself and I beat it, so I can talk a little bit about it. If you need to somebody to bounce off of, I mean, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't have any like strong feelings on it. There's nothing I really like. Have you wow, tried this, the this, this stuff? Is, yeah, I mean, there's, there's like nothing, uh, there's like nothing in the game that it's like, wow, this is really, really bad, or I really don't like this, and I need to talk about it, or wow, this yeah. is really something cool, and I want to talk about it. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's you know, kind of it's, this average RPG. It's got pretty decent cinematics. It's got decent music it's got a decent okay average storyline <laughs> it's I, I will say one thing your the character visuals? moves extremely slowly yeah. for some yeah. reason yeah, for some reason <laughs> for some reason you're you're the the standard just walk cycle pace as you like traversing the dungeons and the towns or whatever you move really slow and it's like why do you move so slow <laughs> did you like it's the art style at least yeah cell shaded yeah the art style Part. yeah it's cell shaded so that's good um, I mean, it's that's the thing is that like uh, just kind of like Dark Cloud too. So that's what they were uh, messing with because yeah. they wanted to move on from just polygonal models. But you know, it, it's the it's the example of a title that just like Dark Cloud. Um, although some people would argue that the first one's better than the second one in Dark Cloud. Uh, someone on this podcast, but um, Rogue Galaxy is an example of a game that could have really done with a sequel because yeah, this is like something extremely ambitious for them. I mean, you're planet hopping. And so you go to all these different places, you're on a giant spaceship, it's doing all these sci-fi things that you didn't really see much from RPGs then or even now, like they won't go that far a lot of the time, it's like they'll stick to some uh, particular places and that's it. Rogue Galaxy far outstripped, uh, uh, in many cases, what other games were trying to do on the PlayStation 2, or even what the system was capable of, of holding. Uh, so I think that like if they ever decided to go back, and make a Rogue Galaxy 2, even if it goes by a different name. That could have been great, um, especially on the PlayStation 3. Instead of White Knight Chronicles, they could have done a lot better. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah um, I forgot that was level 5. Yeah. yeah, that was. And, of course, they put out that sequel, too, that wasn't much better. But, yeah. um, you know... That included it's... a remastered version of the first game that didn't really do much for it because the fundamentals of the game wasn't... The... The remaster wasn't changing any of those, so that's the biggest problem we have with it, and that wasn't going to do anything to do that, so what was the point? 
It was, it's weird that everyone also forgets that that game came out on PSP, but only in Europe and Japan, not America. <laughs> so it's it's that one one of those games. Like I we earlier this year there was that it had its uh, birthday, and I tweeted out and I'm like I totally forgot this was a thing <laughs> for the longest time. Um, and so it's a very like, forgettable game. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, as someone who reviewed the first one, I totally agree. Online mode was all right. Uh, just the offline stuff yeah. I could be could do without. But you know they they are talking about that next big open world game. So I wonder if they'll re-explore uh, a sci-fi setting, considering all the fantasy stuff they've been doing lately uh, with Nino Kuni. But who knows? Um, I, I guess we'll see. I'd rather see a more modern take on that. A level five go modern, just to see them try to like going out in the streets and stuff like that. Like I know Nino Kuni has like go back and forth between it, but I just think that uh, if they just stuck with that world, it'd be pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, your Unfortunately... final. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, again, for people who may not be aware of this game, because it's it's not like super niche, but it, you know, kind of being this sort of standalone title, uh, not a franchise. Rogue Galaxy is kind of like it's it's very it's very Star Warsy, oh yeah, like anime Star Wars. I, uh, um, I heard somebody talk about how they seem to steal or at least take a lot from Final Fantasy X because, like, you could see like uh, I forget the main character's name in Rogue Galaxy. What was his name? Jester. Yeah, Jester. He does that. Um, that's uh, like a throw the sword up in the air and catch it like Tidus does in Final Fantasy X. And uh, <laughs> there are some similarities, but yeah, I don't know. The, it's just and, because uh, both games are, you know, the Jahu Dune character. Toby. I forget whose name is, but he acts like Oron, and it just it. There's a lot of similarities. It seems to almost like they just mm-hmm. took stuff from Final Fantasy X and put it in their game. I don't know how true that is, but it just. I wouldn't be surprised if they did take like they use the same engine or what. Now, I mean, okay, I, I will actually. I, I will say one thing now that I've been thinking about it uh, about the game. Some of the combat balancing is weird in that a lot of the uh, a lot of the just regular random mob encounters in the game you can easily easily clear by doing a a sort of like area of effect kind of hit all sort of attack, like spin um, slash or something. I, it, there, there's a couple of them. Like one of them is called yeah. Desert Wind, that Jaster can do, and one of them is called Supernova, which is like done by the whole team. Yeah. Um. And so, like, a lot of the combat in this game, you can't do one of these skills and wipe out the the enemy mob. The enemy mobs are random, basically. Yeah. Um. And the thing is, they do cost MP or whatever the equivalent of MP is. I forget what they call it. Uh, in this game. But you can re- re- replenish it so easily with items that are cheap or at every save point. So, like, you, there are actually some of the regions in the game where you are just kind of running along the region, collecting chests or whatnot, and then a mob encounter appears. You just do supernova. You kill them all. You run some more. Another mob. Do supernova. Run some more. Another mob. Do supernova. Drink a health potion or whatever. Run some more. And then, and so there actually are a couple of areas in the game where that's the most efficient and effective way to play and it's not very interesting uh there are some enemies where that won't work against there's a couple that like uh have like shields or have a barrier those those are different things uh or are or are literally too tall so you have to like jump and attack them so sometimes there are certain enemy mobs that you can't just do this silly aoe attack to kill kill them all but a lot of them you can so it's kind of like it feels like unbalanced and overpowered in a way so that that's probably the the one thing that I kind of want to comment on the game is that the combat is not especially great. Uh, yeah, the bounties are those the ones where the combat really comes out. The bounties, 
Yeah, there's there there are a lot of uh they call them quarries. Yeah, they're yeah. like they're sort of like optional bosses uh, that you can take on. So that that's kind of a that, that is a nice that is that's that is kind of a nice way where you can take on these encounters that are pretty challenging. You can you can sort of save them for later if you want, but if you want to take them on earlier uh, to get the money and experience and whatnot, uh, they are they are sort of these challenging affairs. So that's kind of one way to challenge you. Just kind of the the sort of random encounter uh, gameplay loop of the game is, is kind of tedious in a way. So, anyways. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. It's sort just sort of, you know, experiencing it, trying to see if I can maybe just clear clear the game before Dragon Quest Eleven releases on Tuesday. True uh, RPG fix. I mean, it's important to note that uh, as the way you played it, it's a PS2 on PS4 game that people can yeah. grab on that system. So is Dark Cloud One and Two. So if people want to play any of those games, uh, it's available for there. I think each of them is like fifteen bucks, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I, mean, I got it on sale one of the times when it was like five. Yeah, it's been on sale. <laughs> They've been on sale before. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a big flash sale going on this weekend, but I don't think any of those games are. I think like the Persona games, Suikoden, a bunch of other RPGs are on sale, but. Um, those tend to go on sale every now and then. Um, I forget. I think the Japan sales are usually around springtime, so we're past that. But uh, it should go on sale again pretty soon. So yeah, if uh, for you just playing some uh, Rogue Galaxy, well, let's move from a single player RPG to a massively multiplayer one. Adam, <laughs> uh, of course, you've been catching up. Uh, just like you mentioned, I think last time you were on here, uh, you were playing a lot of Warcraft to get up to the level you need to be to play Battle for Azeroth, or at least be the yeah. recommended level. Um, how's yeah. that been going for you? Well, I just want to start off by saying that that's uh, playing all this World of Warcraft is the main reason why I haven't been streaming Xenogears. I haven't done it since I started playing it again because I figured my time yeah. would be better spent trying to get to that threshold. And uh, it took a little bit until I could unlock the uh, one of the new playable races. Uh, they're called the Nightborn. I uh, uh, what's weird is that the game starts your new uh, race off at level 20. So what you're experiencing through the story is like a bunch of stuff leading up to, okay, some kind of weird paradox where like you're uh, at the time of when you're unlocked the race, Sylvanas Windrunner, who's uh, people might know from Warcraft three. She was uh, one of the uh, Banshees created by Prince Arthas who was like one of the, uh, it's probably the main hero of that game. Yeah. Uh, she became the war chief uh, recently, like after uh, a few, a few, some other incidents. I think Legion was when she finally became one because Vol'jin, who was the troll hero of that game, who uh, was running alongside Thrall, uh, she became war chief after that. And um, so it's like you, you go back to level 20. So you go into this whole story where, the war chief at the time is uh, Garrosh, I think his name was. Yeah, uh, he's like all the way back a Mister Pandaria. All this, like this, the like Pandas. all these old, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Pandaria and all these older expansion packs. Like the uh, the characters that are long since dead, you're coming across them. But you're level twenty, so you have to do that to be able to like advance through the game and like. At the same time, like you got a letter from Sylvanas when you were starting out, welcoming you to the Horde, one of the uh, two factions of the game. Uh, so it's like this kind of weird, um, weird kind of like a throw out, like kind of um, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, uh, just like kind of you get kind of caught off guard when you see like all this stuff happening while at the same time you should be like speaking to Sylvanas and all these things. So it just kind of uh, ruins my immersion a little bit. 
but yeah, since I got to level 20, I had to, I was going to use the character boost, but then I found out there was this thing called heritage armor, where if you take one of the allied races, like, uh, and get them all the way to level 110 or level 120, I think like if you get to level 110, you get the armor and 120, you get this boost to the armor. I, or maybe it's two different kinds of armor, but either way, uh, you get the you get the heritage armor, and then you can transmogrify, which means like you can alter the appearance of any regular armor into that piece of armor. Uh, you can do that with any other uh, class that you use with that race. And I figured for the purpose of the review that that I'm going to be doing for the game that it would look better uh, for people looking to see like everything out that the expansion has to offer and uh, screenshot for. So I did that. And uh, right now I'm about level 93, 94. I'm doing the Warlords Draenor content, which is like, it was what before the Legion content. So after I do that, I'll do Legion. And then I'll be in the Bow for Azeroth content, which is level 110 to 120. And by then I should be doing my review. I should be getting some good pictures. And if anyone would like to see anything in particular from that uh, expansion pack, just let me know. And uh, I'll try to make sure to get that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Just concentrating on grinding at my levels. And uh, one of the annoying parts is that in the planet I'm on, Draenor, uh, to be able to be able to fly, you need to get revered reputation with four factions. Oof, okay, that's a lot of grinding. A lot of yeah. It's like you start off at like neutral, and then friendly, and then honored, and then revered, and then exalted, and like even if you do all the quest lines, you usually only get honored at best, and so they get revered. I have to, like, I just managed to get revered with three of the factions, but the last one you have to do a daily, uh, and you can only do, and it's only a singular day, daily, and you have to go back the next day and do it, and you only get fifteen hundred uh, reputation points. And to give you an idea, to get revered, you have to get twenty one thousand. Oh Ready? my freaking god! That's that's the that's the like the epitome of gatekeeping on that, yeah, on yeah, that stuff. Reminds me of Final Fantasy Eleven having to like do missions and quests and stuff like that to build up your reputation uh, in certain nations. But boy, yeah. that that's a lot to do. But um, yeah. you know, at least you're not going to be around the launch period for that for Battle for Azeroth because I heard there was some pretty bad problems with that. Yeah, there's a lot of different oh. problems. Like, oh yeah, uh, it always happens. But yeah. Yeah, and people having dis- uh, c- uh, connection issues. There's uh, certain quests being broken. A friend of mine just sent me a, a screenshot today where it was like one of the quests that you can send your uh, champions on. It's kind of like they introduced it some Warlords of Draenor, but uh, you had these kind of like a mobile kind of feeling where like you have these in other games you've sent like. Uh, characters that you've recruited off to do missions and come back and you just have to wait like an hour or it could be half a day or even several days to get certain rewards and then you, they level up and then you can send them on more powerful, I mean more uh, more difficult missions and it's just kind of like that builds up and the one that she sent me was like she's part of the horde and the quest line was saying like secure this item for the alliance it's like what? No I'm not with the alliance what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, she just got upset because like they're traitors. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to secure anything for the alliance. I work for the horde, and yeah, uh, it's just one of those things where you think a company like Blizzard would be at the peak of their. Yeah, 
like that. Like, you th- oh, Adam, your phone's cutting out a little bit. Uh, in servers. Yeah, I think your I think your mic was cutting out of it, but you did mention. Uh, yeah, I could, you were cutting out for me too. Yeah, so, right uh, at the sorry. end, right at the end though. But it, it's storming over there in Iowa, so that makes some sense. But yeah, I think yeah. we picked up on everything you said anyway, so that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's it's important that we get people listening to this can know that you're going to have a full fledged review when that game is up, and not just yep. trying to like because there's ways to skip over all that content like you talked about before. Um, but you get special armor uh, for this as well, which is always pretty nice to have in a game like that yeah. but also you have a good looking appearance like the nightboard armor has these kind of uh laser wings or something I, I can't really explain it but they look like crystallized like uh patterns that uh come off their armor and it just it looks really nice and i figured like people deserve to have that kind of full uh visual of what the expansion can offer and i should be getting there pretty soon like when it comes to that flight, I should be able to get by Monday, and that'll make getting around in Draenor much easier, and yeah. that'll just make it so I can I can go directly to missions. I can get up to this, and I already have. Uh, I could just yeah. I think it'll be much it's much simpler after Monday. Yeah, and you'll be caught up on all the canon, and also. Um... Oh, I'm never going to be able to understand the story, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah, but I mean, as far as that, you'll yeah. have a, you'll be prepared for Battle for Azeroth well, as opposed to somebody who's just jumping in and uh, being like a detriment or causing problems. So yeah. I think that's for the best anyway. Um, but yeah, obviously we'll get to that review sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so people know that uh, when I'm done with the review, I'm going right back to Xenogear, So don't like think. Think I've forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I forgot about Forge Up Fiesta, and then I realized it expired yesterday. So yeah, I, I kind of moved on from that. They should make it year round. What are they doing? I mean, it's, you can technically so do it whenever. It's yeah. just that people celebrate it at this, or celebrate, or at least they they attempt it around this time. Yeah. And I even in my I'm first sure video in Final Fantasy V, I said, "All right, I'm going to make it this time." Still didn't do it. <laughs> it's I've already beaten Final Fantasy V like three times, so it's kind of hard for me to push myself to replete. Unlike another person on this podcast it's kind of hard for me to go back and play the same game again um I've, I've only played Final fantasy 5 once and i like played it like kind of just the the normal the normal way which is kind of yeah. like the broken way when you can just use all the jobs and at any combination i ran so, through it once with four berserkers and just turned on turbo and just if i die then i went right back it's just it was made like a game playing itself almost if i didn't have to go between each area well, mentioned- like, I love Final Fantasy V a lot, but you can, and this is true for a lot of games that have like job systems, is you can break those things wide open. Oh, like yeah. with some really cool combinations that you can do. Um, but it is, uh, the, the, the Fiesta does sound like a really cool idea. I just haven't gotten around to it in terms of limiting, like, you know you actually see these on twitch a lot now like these game randomizers that's um yeah actually it's kind of it's kind of a similar idea you know you're randomly chosen which jobs you're allowed to use yeah Uh, i i have like i have like the final fantasy 6 randomizer and like i got to this point in the game where uh sells character i can't really pronounce the names because i don't really sell us yeah but uh, she had the appearance of Umaro, and so when you get to the upper scene, you're like, you look exactly like Karen or whatever. And like, <laughs> you is that insult like, or a compliment? <laughs> yeah, oh. and like uh, Setsu is played by uh, Ma- Mog, so it just makes it like... Oh, that's best. And, oh, and the that's best, best is Edgar is being played by Strago. 
So uh, it's like this young, handsome king, and he's hitting on Terra, but he's an old ass man. It's like, what the hell's going on here? I mean, can, this has nothing to do with any. This has nothing to do with anything. But I was actually in a discussion earlier today. It was just kind of poking fun in a way. How Realm, her Japanese name is like uh, more like it, it instead of a an L sound, it's more of an E sound. So like this really? person was arguing that it should sound more like Realm. And it's just kind of like, no, like maybe that's sort of like an interesting tidbit. Like, yeah, sure. They pronounce it slightly differently, but it's just like, come on. No. Are you really going to be this pedantic? No. <laughs> this, that's kind of just, that's even more, more so than like the Tina Terra thing. Anyway, anyways, I mean, nothing to do with anything. No, I mean, it, but, uh, but on that same topic, I was actually going to bring this up because you, uh, I mean, we just, t- we just discussed it. So I'm glad someone did, but like on Friday I was looking at randomizers because at the time I didn't have anything to review now that I've got Valkyrie Chronicles 4 that, that, that changes the plans. But, um, I was looking at randomizers and I thought about, hey, you know what? Uh, talking about, you know, going back and playing a game again. I saw like Final Fantasy Tactics had a randomizer. Speaking of job classes that you can break, uh, and in the first scene, that extra person that's typically like, you know, I think it's a merchant. That's your, you know, the extra character that just happens to be there. I think it's a, I think it's like, what's that potion carrier? That's the, uh, alchemist or whatever. Alchemist. They call that it. was it. Sorry, I was yeah. mistaken them for merchant. But yeah, I don't remember. Alchemist. I think I know what you're talking about. I just don't remember. Yeah. The one that's talking to your character before you both get in line. Yeah, but um, the thing is, is that in the randomizer on a video I saw on YouTube, that was a samurai. <laughs> I was like, okay, that sounds awesome. Because <laughs> I that's think you're a, a little bit later. further along than I am. That's so why you Well, yeah. it's a randomizer. So like, not only is the jobs that you, the characters you come across, randomized, but also the equipment. So like, the characters had like. A couple of them had really high level equipment on their on their person, uh, and they have different abilities and things like that. So I think that would be like a really cool way. Like uh, they of course got randomizers for like Link to the Past, as you said, Final Fantasy VI. Um, there's a randomizer for Ocarina of Time. That, so like the first chest you open, which would normally be like the uh, the the sword, uh, happens to be like um, the Master Shield or something like that. So you just run around with the Master Shield. Uh, or in my case, you game. come across one of those monster boxes and you come across a boss that is like late in the game, and so you get wrecked. Yeah. That, so I mean, that's that's a great way to jump into an old game like that. Uh, that's why it's like in, uh, over the past few years, randomizers have grown substantially in popularity, and there are even like tournaments and stuff like that, like speed runs, um, like RPG Dilemma Break had it. Uh, I don't remember if Summer Games Done Quick had one but that definitely is something uh, SNES All-Stars excuse me SNES Superstars, I think the marathon's called, had a bunch of them. Super Metroid's got a ton of them too. So. Super Nintendo Superstars, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's always a great uh, event, but um, it was made better by having all these randomizers that you never knew what happened. But yeah, uh, in any case, uh, that's that's like my excuse for wanting to go back and play that. Don't think Rogue Galaxy's got any of it, <laughs> but that'd be kind of cool too. Um, but yeah, for my part, um, I. Played through a couple different games uh, over the past week. One was Luca, Born of the Dream. So um, we were contacted by the developer of this game. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but like he made it sound like we've covered the game before. And I don't remember if we ever did at any point, even on Twitter. Uh, but that's one way to, I guess, approach a person. Just say, hey, thanks for your coverage in the past, even if it's maybe not there. But... No, it was um, it was like this. Uh, it's something that like I, I discussed last week with James that we wanted to move into covering more smaller titles, the ones that don't get that much exposure, because you know we're on uh, a variety of different places like Metacritic and OpenCritic. So you know, uh, as much as we cover these big titles as well, I figure 
you know, and not so much as, you know, this, uh, you know, unethical way of uh, doing this, but just, you know, uh, these, these, uh, great games that go unnoticed, um, indie developers, uh, try all their hardest to get in touch with different, uh, journalists and media outlets, and they don't get any sort of exposure from that. Or if they do, it's usually from a lot smaller sites than ours. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to brag about it, but just, you know, that's just how it is. Like, it's a Tumblr or something like that, because they're way more willing to cover those smaller titles. And so I had the privilege, in fact, I learned later, to cover Luca Born of the Dream, which is a new game that came out just a, a week or two ago. Uh, yeah, a couple weeks ago. I actually got the Steam page up here. So, yeah, it was... It's really okay. good. Yeah, so this game, I'm betting that people listening to this right now, a lot of people are like, what the heck are you talking about? Yes. I, I learned about this game the day before it released. I saw someone basically make uh, a post in a forum saying like, hey, this game comes out tomorrow. And I didn't know what it was called, but what I saw was like this sort of neon sketchbook type of art. Yes. It's, like, it's, like, it's almost like stick figures, only slightly better than that. But it's like this neon sketchbook art like lots of pinks and reds and bright blue like colors like chalk. uh and it was just yeah. yeah chalk it's like it's on it's like it's it's if you like imagine like a black canvas and then you start drawing lines on it in like neon chalk it looks like that yeah and it's an action rpg so you have like a character that is moving he's like a he's sort of he's a stick figure i don't want to stick figure is almost not good enough it's, it's more you know, animated but it's this that, yeah. 2d line it's this it's this 2d line art uh and it's action. It's an action RPG. So he's, you know, it's got it's got these nice animations. It's got this kind of surreal style to it, and that that stuck out to me right away. And I actually remember chatting with. I, I actually remember bringing it up in our in our uh, little uh, in our base of operations, our our chat room, saying, <laughs> yes. like, "Hey, this game looks interesting." And that's actually when you mentioned actually you, the the developer wanted us to to review it. Like, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it, it has this really unique style that stands out immediately. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a game that I've heard about before, but only like very briefly. And so I was like, oh, that looks really cool. Uh, but it was in the midst of me covering a bunch of other games, so I wasn't too concerned about that. Uh, I mean, this is something that I've always wanted to do, really, is to look at these games because we've got, you know, a lot of people who review games on staff. And so it's nice that we kind of focus in on smaller ones. But to kind of give people an idea what this game's about, it's all about someone um, uh, approaching their inner demons, uh, so the, the whole thing is, is that you are Luca, um, who is cursed to have, uh, this is the synopsis, they're cursed to have their inner demons come to life anywhere they go. And so you wake up in this weird, accursed land uh, that you have to seek purification in order to rid yourself of the curse itself. And so you go through all these different demonic beings and things like that that you happen to come across. Uh, it's it's So it's quasi-survivor horror in a way, but it is definitely, yeah, an action RPG through and through. There's a lot of leveling going on. It's got a really deep combat system. Uh, like, I, I was shocked, uh, in a way, how deep it goes. Because not only are you, like, chaining attacks together in combos, but you also come across familiars, which are little helpers that you get. And there's a bunch of them that you can equip to your person and they have different things like one shoots out bullets to you one has like an extra attack on top of anything that you're currently doing uh some of them have like elemental properties uh there's also ways to modify the, the attacks that you do uh like the the way that the animation goes and it's speaking of which it's very animation heavy and so if you happen to start start to chain a combo together and you whiff big time you can put yourself in danger and you die pretty quickly if you're not careful um 
there is a checkpoint system um, that you can use. Uh, there's no uh, there's no way to like save outside of those checkpoints, but you know they're scattered around enough that it's not too big a deal. But uh, boy, this game uh, after not even that long gets super depressing, <laughs> and like uh, you know it's 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 the tone um, that really stuck out to me. Um, as you can clearly tell from just the look of it alone, like it it, it kind of comes across as something that like you would be having this weird dream that you can't really make out. Like it's it's kind of fuzzy, and that's kind of what yeah. the, the depiction is. Yeah, it makes sense when you when you have a dream. It's not like you're you're dreaming in HD. It's like these kind of hazy half images here and there. And it's, yeah, that definitely, that definitely suits that, that type of style they did. It seems to suit the, the premise they're going for. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. ahead, You're going to say something. No, that's, that's all I was going to say is that like, it seems like that's all I was going to say. The art style is there's, there's a reason why they're doing it in this, this really neon chalk art style. Like it's part of the, whole point of the game it's cool and and the soundtrack is really good um and a lot of it really stood out to me and it's funny how even like some of those animations would work in time with the music like when you're slicing and dicing uh different enemies uh it would be time to the music itself so it really packed even further of a punch to it and there's uh, a bit of a lo-fi sound to it kind of like you would expect from uh uh so this 2d not sprite based obviously but um you know like there's like a kind of a, a low quality to it that's pretty neat um from what you expect kind of like undertale in a way like people understand the sound effects from that game that's kind of what it reminded yeah. me of but it's got its own uh you know flavor to it that i liked but yeah it really it's the story alone that really hit home really hard like there's some very dramatic moments in that game that i don't want to get into too much because it would be a spoiler but uh it it gets really dark uh, and there's like references too. Like I'm pretty sure I spotted like a Mulholland Drive reference in there once or twice. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 very much a game that I think flew under a lot of people's radar, and I, I hope people pick it up. Uh, I loved it uh, for the kind of depiction it was trying to portray. Uh, like I said, the fast phonetic combat is really fun uh, and different in a way. Um, but it's it's the storytelling itself that I think really sells it. And you know, for what it's worth, like it's it's twenty bucks right now on Steam. I think that's the resale, retail price uh, of that. Yeah, it is. It's not on sale, so it's twenty bucks. Uh, like I said, only came out a couple weeks ago. Check out my review if you want to learn more about it. But it gets it hits really hard, and I think that I beat it around um, twelve or thirteen hours. It took me to beat the game, but there's multiple endings, so there's that. <laughs> It's kind of a dreaded word, replayability. Uh, if you want, uh, if you want to go down that road, but you know, for the most part, even if you just beat it once, it's still very much worth it, in my opinion. Uh, the other game I played through was Metal Slater Glory, uh, which was a pleasant surprise because this is a game that came out on the NES and um, I should say on the Famicom, in fact, in Japan back in '91. This is HAL Laboratory, and this was like their uh, their last independent title they created before uh basically nintendo uh licensed them to do all their games from then on uh because they apparently didn't sell enough to outpace the advertising budget uh, which is kind of like what happened to the dreamcast <laughs> when you think about it so how, what happened to hal is kind of like what happened to sega they spent more on marketing than they did uh, on uh getting uh breaking even so yeah it, it's a great game like it's it's 
it uses an eight megabit cartridge. Uh, the original did, and so like it was. Uh, you know, it makes sense. It was on the. It was in '91. An NES game in '91 is pretty crazy when the Super Nintendo was already out. Um, that's part of the reason why it actually didn't sell well because everyone was okay. Back there. up just a quick second. Yeah. First of all, the reason why you played it is because. Yeah, you left this out. The no, fan translation. I was, I was going to get to it. Yeah, I was just oh, okay. this up. Like so. just released. Yes, uh, but also like I've heard of this game, and I know it's on NES, but I I honestly don't know like what it looks like. Like I cannot picture it in my head. So if you want to just paint a picture with words, <laughs> uh, uh, I will paint you a picture with words as I always do. Uh, very pretty. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, obviously it's an original story, uh, but. Um, as you mentioned as well, on August 30th, which is the 27th anniversary of the game, like I said, it came out in 91 originally, uh, that Pennywise, who's a longtime contributor to the fan transition community, uh, has done a lot of great stuff there. Like I think he put out like a Gundam game recently, too, um, that he put out the fan transition, an English fan transition for this game that's... A lot of text. Like this is one of those most, uh, you know, one of the most difficult things, uh, projects that no one has tried to do. Like he, it was in development for over a decade until he finally got motivation from other people that helped him out to finally get it completed. Uh, it wasn't obviously just him, but with a few others. Uh, but you know, he was the he was the lead for that. So as far as the story itself, um, it's it kind of uh, reminds me of. Um, God, I'm blanking out. If only Josh was here, you know. But there was this uh, Gundam movie that came out a long ago about this boy who comes across this giant uh, uh, Gundam that happens to be in this forest and the pilot who got downed. It's not quite like that, um, but it's it's kind of like the same flavor to it. And so um, it, it kind of actually it, a little bit more like Macross, in fact. Uh, not so much the music. But uh, the whole setup is that uh, there, uh, there was a war that took place eight years prior to the events of the story where there's this uprising, this rebellion uh, in the colonies. Uh, so everything's uh, you know set up in space, but Earth and Moon still exist. But the colonies rose up because they were upset with their government. Uh, that's how it's portrayed. And that, uh, you know, that you are uh, you're this war orphan uh, who has a sister and uh, uh, his, uh, with his girlfriend. Like, you're the trio right here. And they come across this worker mech that they wanted to start a construction business. Um, but it turns out that happened to be a old war combat unit uh, that they tried to learn more about. So that's the big setup here um, uh, that it kind of goes from there. Like they, they uncover a lot more than that uh, about what, what relation to this combat mech is all from. They travel to like a space station and visit some colonies and things like that. So uh, it's very much a text driven adventure game. Like there's no, there's, there's, only, there's very few combat sequences to speak of. Like there's some, but a lot of it's just like, you know, choose this option, move the cursor around and hit that button. Kind of like uh place knots was or snatcher. So it, it's it's definitely of that ilk, uh, but for the NES, uh, it, the graphics are really good. Like the quality of the animations uh, itself and the character designs, and the great craziest thing is that um, the artist, the character artist Yoshimuru uh, Hoshi. He actually did almost the entire game by himself. The only thing he didn't do was I think like the music and the sound, uh, but it's almost all by uh, Yoshimuru Hoshi, and so. Uh, uh-huh. he, he's a manga artist who actually this is like this game is based off of a manga like early 80s manga so that's the kind of the big thing about it there was even like um, not there was also a director's cut version of this game that came out on the Super Famicom back in 2000 uh, but it was actually so in fact in fact it was actually the last Super Famicom game ever officially made 
And so, I was about to say 2000 is pretty late for Famicom. Yeah, just <laughs> after Thrasia 776, yeah. the Fire Emblem game yeah. that, that was uh, put out in Lawson. But uh, that's that's kind of like it. Uh, you know, once again, it's it's been this long. It's never had an English fan translation, which is kind of unheard of because almost every game for that platform has had an English translation at some point. There's definitely some outliers there, but that was one of the big ones. And so in honor of that, uh, aside from making that news post this morning on the site that people can check out, I also played through the entire game from start to finish. Took about four hours, but I was doing a lot of the. Um, uh, I, I was I was kind of following a guide to help me out because I didn't want to get completely stuck because there's some yeah. uh, moments there where it's like you have to be searching, uh, like the classic adventure style, and I didn't want to put up with that. But for four hours, it flew by pretty quickly, and I was having a great time with it. Like the writing, the translation is one is like perfect. I I, no, I don't think I saw any typos or anything like that. So clearly, this thing went through a lot of polishing. Um, uh, and like the characters are very endearing in their own respects, like especially the, the little sister, uh, Azusa. Like I, I really liked her as a character. Uh, she's very innocent, but she's seen a whole lot, some traumatic shit <laughs> up into her. Uh, but it's 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 pretty amazing all that they did, and I hope this one day leads to the Super Famicom version being translated as well, because it's got like better graphics, better audio. Uh, and some new scenes that weren't there before, and uh, different music. Uh, obviously, stuff that could not have been accomplished on the Famicom due to the size of the cartridge. But that that'd be really cool to see at some point. But for now, this is great. And you know, you know, if you want to see that whole playthrough uh, on this Labor Day weekend, you know, need something to watch. There you go. So, mm-hmm. on that note, let's get into the news of the week. So, uh, leading things off here is something that uh, just happened uh, just a couple hours ago from... Uh, I don't know if this is attached to PAX, but they announced Fulker Chronicles come to Switch. Yep. So, yeah, today is like the first day of PAX. Yeah. Or, I guess Friday technically is. Today is like the first weekend It's like day. pre-day and then, yeah, the yeah. day zero, day <laughs> that's one. How these, yeah. That's how these things work, work now. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to day zero even, day get one. You, get your back. But, yeah, this is, so, like, Sega had their localization panel today, you know, and they're talking Yakuza and Valkyria and... Um, all the other stuff that Sega does. Uh, and at that panel, they announced Valkyrie Chronicles, the original, is coming to Switch on October 16. So this is something that was actually announced in Japan several months ago. And we, for up to now, we're just kind of like, well, we can assume that it's the localization, it's going to be localized. It's already localized. It's yeah. gonna, we're going to get it in English, right? And yeah, we are just a couple of weeks later. So Valkyrie Chronicles 4 releases on september 25th for basically all the main platforms and then a couple weeks later the original on switch it's a digital only yeah so it's not like a retail box but still it's got all the dlc it's 20 dollars uh if you have if you are buying valkyrie chronicles 4 on switch at least the digital version you you can get a discount off of the original valkyrie chronicles when it comes out in october so I mean, we don't have to. I don't think we have to say that Valkyria Chronicles is an amazing game. Uh, it was, there was nothing quite like it when it released ten years ago. So play it if you haven't. Yes, that's that's definitely a game. Uh, you know, we talked about before, but it has a bit of a slow start, and I don't think that the uh, the demo did it any favors because it did the. It was basically the start of the game, and I think that's like yeah. the, arguably. I, I know it's a fact. It's the worst part of the game. Is <laughs> the start of it because it's extremely slow. Uh, but once it gets going, it really gets going. And this is kind of crazy because a few days after that, that's when Dark Souls Remastered comes out for the Switch. So it's a week of remasters, uh, in a seven-day span of it, uh, along with the Dark Souls trilogy, I guess, on that same day. So Switch having some big titles in October, 
should be a lot of fun. Also, uh, the world ends with you is a sort of remaster that comes out in October mm. too. Oh my gosh! What, what what day is that? The that that's the, October twelfth. So 12th. it's actually oh. just a couple days before. Oh great! Uh, so that's a yeah. seven once again a seven day span <laughs> of a bunch of remasters. Uh, obviously, some more work being put into Final Remix after all. Yeah, that's but... got it's got a new content and some of the mobile content, which I know a lot of people like me have probably not seen. So no, I I definitely have not. Uh, actually, I've yeah. not even played. The world ends with you. I'll be honest. So I need to get around. This will be my chance to finally get around to playing it. Hopefully, but... they do something about that sprite work on that. Um... <laughs> that background looks kind of clashes with the redone sprites. Oh, you're talking about yeah. So Game Explain put out um, recorded footage of uh, the world ends with you final remix from PAX. Was it PAX or Gamescom? I think it was PAX. PAX. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, not a good recording because, as you mentioned, uh, Adam, that it was uh, a lot of sitting in menus and stuff like that. But um, what was that, Tony? I forget. But in any case, it was uh, – <laughs> the footage wasn't great. But when you look closer, it's like, oh, they only sharpen certain models or certain sprites and not the others. But, you know, once it's in motion, uh, unless you, like, really sit and stare at it, if, especially on a no. small screen on the Switch like that, it probably wouldn't be that noticeable, hopefully. But – in any case, I mean, basically, the playable characters yeah. are have much better sprites than like the NPCs. But you know, it's just they're NPCs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be the gameplay. That's what really sold World of the yeah. View from everything I know. Now, about the thing that's weird about World of the View, and I don't know exactly how it's going to work. So obviously, the original game is DS, so it's a touchscreen swiping dual tap. screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there is a mobile version, which is similar. You know, it's only one screen now, and obviously, that's what we're sticking with. Um, but you can play this game on Switch in docked mode, but it's, yes. everything seems to point you cannot play it with a normal controller, which I don't know how you would do that anyway, like quite. So, it, yeah. so if you want to play it in docked mode, you use the Joy-Con as a pointer, and I just I'm just I don't know how well it's going to work. So, but well. at, at the very least, you can play it in handheld mode like you would the phone version, just a much bigger screen with t- t- touches and t- t- swipes and taps. Yeah, uh, they, so. they, it's it's not exactly the same. It's not one to one from the mobile controls. It, they yeah, definitely changed it, but at the same time, like a game like that, I don't think I'd want to play it on a big screen uh, just because it's yeah. not. It wasn't built for that. Like it's it's that weird thing mm-hmm. where it's like there's certain games that work way better in handheld mode than they do in a in a big screen like that. I mean, clearly there's plenty of ports and other remasters that have come to consoles like that but you know if given the option i think i would take it out and just enjoy it the way it was originally it, just on a it was just it was just kind of one thing i was yeah wondering about like when it was first announced like wait can does that mean i can play it with just a normal like game pad like in a traditional way and looks like the answer is well no yeah so definitely not anyways that's a little bit of a tangent yeah but that's 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 we, the, we saw that that was i think like the first footage at pax you know like that other than a couple of trailers that they had for the game, so yeah. Hopefully, you know, sometime soon we'll hear about Valkyria Chronicles two and three coming to a Switch or a PC or something like that. Because boy, mm-hmm. it's it's. Uh, I hope that it's just the start. It's like Yakuza, you know. Maybe it's just the start of something bigger. Uh, hopefully, because that would be bring Resident Evil to Steam. Huh? Yes, please. <laughs> but that would also be great, you know. Just bring them all. Uh, hey, so they I brought Bayonetta. They brought Valkyria. They brought Vanquish. Come on, Sega. Come on. Skies yeah. of Arcadia 2, you know, that's just all. Well, Skies of Arcadia 2, but also Skies of Arcadia as well. Uh, but yeah, that that was uh, that's some of the news that we got. Uh, we also heard, uh, this is straight from today as well, just a l- little bit ago, uh, just like this Valkyrie Chronicles news, 
EA announced that Anthem will be going through a VIP demo on February 1st um, next year for PS4, Xbox One, and PC via Origin. As they mentioned before, it's not launching on Steam. It's going to be an Origin-only game, which is kind of like well, part of the course with Mass Effect. Yeah, it's been the case for a while, but this is just another one of those. Uh, but yeah, the game, Anthem comes out on February 22nd, and considering this game was delayed for so long, I thought they would have like a longer test period because this seems like a stress test uh considering it's an online game you know like destiny was it could be running out of money or well what they what they've said is that this demo that comes out three weeks before the game it is a demo uh mike gamble uh, bioware was stressed that this is not a beta this is a demo um right and it's a slice of the game is the wording he used now i wasn't quite sure but I believe he implied that there will be other betas before then, probably a little bit, quite a bit more selective <laughs> okay, okay. in who, who gets to participate. But it looks like there are going to be like, you know, maybe like more traditional feedback oriented beta tests beforehand, where this is just sort of like, hey, try out this game, especially because it is something new and different for BioWare. So people might want to try it before they buy it, like for something that's so <laughs> unlike what they've done in the past. Um, I mean, I have to say, sorry, go ahead. I don't know. I have to say like they released a trailer today too. And I'm still kind of getting like this messy sort of vibe in terms of like what they're trying to sell it as here. They're trying to, it seems like to me, they're trying to like appeal to everybody. Like, Hey, it's this multiplayer game that you can play with your friends and do have really cool, Mm. you know, experiences with, but you can also play it solo. And there's also characters and there's also relationships and this and this really personal narrative, and it's like, can you really have all of this at once as well as you're tr- telling me you have it here? It's just, it's, it, it feels kind of reactionary the way that this narration in this trailer works. Like, obviously, I'm just going by assumption. I haven't played the game, but it's still kind of one of those things that, sure, sure, I'm a little bit hesitant in what they're offering. That's, I mean, that's, it's like yeah. the 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 next few months is going to be a lot of that. Uh, because you've also got Fallout 76, which is the first time Bethesda's done anything like that before. Uh, that's a multiplayer game. Right, but they said yeah. you can play by yourself if you want to. Uh, I think they already mentioned before with Anthem that it is a game you can play by yourself and complete it yes. that way. But it's better, of course, with friends. Um, but, you know, it's it's weird that this is the first thing they're going to announce, not the earlier betas, because it makes it sound like, you know, this is the, first, the only time you're going to check this out before it comes out it is a pre-order bonus uh, kind of like you know the division 2 has got that going on call of duty black ops 4 too uh, but yeah so ea they might not have the betas lined up yet well for for anthem for ea they have two different like subscription services with ea yeah um i i'm not in the ea ecosystem enough to know the differences like specifically but i know that it, as long as you have one of those subscription services for the pc version you can be you can get the demo or if you pre-order on the consoles, you can get the demo. Yeah, so. I hope I hope they do more because obviously Bioware is in such a crazy state right now, considering the not unsuccessful nature of Andromeda. Uh, still a game I plan on playing. <laughs> so, but you know, yeah, I still have to get to get to it. It's been more yeah. than a year, I guess, since yeah, I think, its release. <laughs> I think it was like I had two weeks there where I could have bought the game for like eight bucks, and I still, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, eh, maybe I'll, I'll wait. Uh, but you know, uh, in any case. Um, 
It's a game that needs more attention, but something tells me this this slice will probably just be what we saw at E3 and and Gamescom. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know that Cyber, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven footage that came out recently from mm-hmm. Gamescom. It's like, oh, that's what we saw before. Like this is the stuff that's playable right now. It's the most controlled the game can be. Uh, they'll probably be like invisible walls, but you know, hopefully we'll hear more about those betas. Like Adam, other Adam mentioned, it could be that they're still <laughs> trying to figure out the scheduling of the betas. But I hope that they put that out soon because I think people want to give this game. Uh, a try ahead of time uh, considering they delayed it but I imagine the timing and all is because it's I don't know it's so much that they need money right away they just want to try to meet everything before the end of the fiscal year so because right now they need the money considering it seems like they're losing Star Wars licenses because <laughs> you heard last week right like Zynga apparently has the mobile licensing uh, to Star Wars now and so they're slowly just taking uh, that whole thing away from EA considering that was probably their biggest money maker uh, so I don't know what the situation with them is at this point. EA as a whole, also the delayed Battlefield Five, so who knows what's going on there. But yeah, uh, Anthem definitely has a lot to prove, and hopefully they can share it. But let's talk about something that's actually been very successful and continues to be. Uh, so it actually reminds me of this uh, no clip documentary that came out a long ago about Final Fantasy XIV and the fact that every year since it relaunched, it's been growing. It's never retracted. It's constantly been growing. And in honor of its fifth anniversary just the other day, uh, they announced that Final Fantasy XIV has crossed the 14 million cumulative player count. I don't know quite what that means. It could just mean that this is the amount of players that they've always had. But considering it's cumulative, I just I guess it would mean that yeah, everyone's been playing at the same time. I guess that people that came and left and stayed or everything like that, kind of like how World of Warcraft reached like 12 million and not everyone in that 12 million is playing at the same time, but they had an account one then one time or another, and I'm guessing that's what's here. I mean, is that, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's cumulative just suggests uh, yeah. theory. I mean, it's like, I mean, you mentioned World of Warcraft and you talked about those expansions. We didn't mention, of course, that, you know, if you buy one of the recent expansions, it comes with all the earlier ones for free. Yep. Um, but that's kind of like Final Fantasy XIV is that it's got a free-to-play option there. So I imagine this all it got a big boost when they continued to, like, raise the level cap of the free-to-play nature of it. So a lot of people signed up from all the uh, advertising and marketing they've been doing the last couple of years uh, from a variety of sporting events. I think they had one like WrestleMania. Yeah, unlike World of Warcraft, you can't get the new... Well, there's probably some deals out there where you can get the rest, but so far, you have to get every single expansion to play them. Well, it is... No, they're free. Warcraft ones are free, just not the more recent No, I'm saying Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not Stormblood and Heavensward, but then again, you can get those for like five, ten bucks. So really, it's like, if you want to play more of that game outside of the... You know the beginning of of the getting to like level was a thirty five or whatever. Like that's I think so. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something that you can easily do. But I think it's crazy because like um, I know other Adam. <laughs> I'm gonna just call you other Adam. <laughs> just uh, call him. This you last and I, <laughs> you and I played Final Fantasy fourteen one point I don't know if uh yeah other uh, the I uh, haven't played uh, any of the Final Fantasy MMOs. Oh okay, yeah. so yeah, fourteen one point yeah. We played around the launch period. Uh, I know Adam. Other Adam, you picked up the uh, collector's edition that came with the uh, special tokens and, st- and shit like that. Uh, yeah, with big box. <laughs> yeah, the the it came with a, there's like a strategy guide, and I like the only thing that hangs over from those games is like I think you can get that. You know that uh, tall creature that like lumbers around and stuff. You can have him as a mount. The one that has like a mossy back and there's like a tall gray creature and that everyone was using one during the Dalamud was falling. 
Like it was just like everyone lined up with those things. I forget what they're called, but yeah, that's one of the mounts, and like you get this special tattoo on your the back. The goobu, the goobu, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's like the special tattoo you get on your back that's like a legacy tattoo. Uh, my character, it, the one I'm using right now, does not have it because I made a new character for the launch of Heaven's Word. I used the new race, but I still have that old character. It's just on a different uh, data center, different server. So it's it's crazy uh, because you know, you know when they when they when they, everything was going down with Dalamud. Uh, you know that was the, that was like the big thing was that when 1.0 came out, it was a technical mess, but people saw that there was something about that story, you know, that really stuck with them, and that's kind of like, you know a lot of Final Fantasy games that you know you may not get into the story, but there's something about either the characters, the writing, there's something there, and it helps. Yeah, the even fact the worst that, Final Fantasy game has something. In it. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously people argue differently because that's subjective, but you know that the the people that made, for example, Final Fantasy 11 and 14, a lot of those people come from the teams that made Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, you know, so there's like a pedigree there with really strong writing that, you know, that's what people still stuck with. And with 14, Naoki Yoshida came in and completely revitalized it, Uh, you know, huge dramatic changes. Anyone who was paying attention to uh, video game news at the time saw how huge those changes were. Like every live stream that he had to show off new content, it was just exponential change after exponential change huge overhaul with the with the ui with all the systems with the obviously the graphics just huge stuff that you just yeah. weren't expecting. not having to open a menu just to do basic things like i remember in the 1.0 if you came across one of those crystals you had to attune to you had to open a menu and uh select that option like oh, at the top of the slow menu. too yeah that yeah was, that was it's sick. like it had to load into the menu that was yeah, it was it was rotten, and I think that was it. Even Nakushita in that documentary I mentioned, he talked about he didn't know how to log off for the longest time. Yeah, <laughs> so he just had to close the game, like uh, force it. But um, you know, uh, you know, that's obviously he recognized how, how big of a mess it was, and for the most part, it sounds like Square Enix was fully aware of how much a mess 1.0 was. Yeah. But I, I will mean, just say, look at where he is now in the company. He's like what part of the chairmanship? He's an exec right now. Yeah, he he yeah. got promoted pretty high up there. Uh, but, you know, they did the end of an era uh, period, which was amazing. Like, go back and watch footage from the end of 1.0. It's insanely cool uh, what they did to that place, like having monsters invade towns, uh, you know, all the people bending together to stand outside on those gubus like we talked about on those mounts uh, and with the music playing in the background when uh, the whole world was falling. Um, yeah, they used the main theme and made this kind of atmospheric, almost like haunting, uh, yeah, haunting theme where it's like a very slowly... Uh, the lyrics would come in and out and that's probably my favorite iteration of that theme yeah i think that it's like patch 1.23 or 1.24 if you search for that on youtube the song for the, yeah. the music for that you'll get an idea what that's about that's also the opening yeah. theme from 1.0 uh that's they 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 changed it um but yeah it's so they went from that that trailer was insane the the footage they played at end of an era like the if you go back and watch that when we born evan end of an era trailer uh, you get really the feel for the emotion that went into it like the power that did that visual arts brought to the table and then uh you know obviously five years later uh from the launch uh, uh, back in 2013 it's grown insanely well and good on them you know they took something that was a train wreck that no one thought would come back from and they did the unspeakable uh the unheard of really uh turned it around and made it wildly profitable for the company so you know good on them hopefully we'll hear news about that final fantasy 11 mobile remake by the way sometime soon too but you know anyways so final fantasy 14 uh is five years old yes 
Is it five years old, including 1.0 or not including 1.0? No, 1.0 came out yeah. in 2010, I believe. Or 20, okay, so, it's, like, so it's five years yeah. since 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. Uh, well, we born. This That's... is technically that, but they're you know they they basically just ignore that one point. Yeah. When they said that, it's like the fifth anniversary of fourteen. I'm like, wait a second, no. It's, yeah, it's is that long enough? Eighth. Yeah, right. no, it's it's almost. Uh, but eight. they uh, they did announce or the the the, the details for patch four point four, which come out in September. Yes. Um, none of us, I think, play Final Fantasy fourteen enough to really speak to them too well. But if you go to our friendly. Uh, sister site at Nova Crystallis. They have it all detailed out for you. Yes. Um, yes. In the past, I saw so. that they uh, were bringing in Chaos from Final Fantasy 1. Yes. Which yeah. Is, which is very cool just to get that Final Fantasy 1 uh, kind of like you, people don't talk about that game as much as they should or at least because like the one's villain Chaos is like pretty much set the standard for all the villains following like everything pretty much followed from him. And, yeah. Uh, and it, it, that's that's the thing. I mean, uh, Adam Reese, of course, you can speak the most about fourteen because you played a ton of it. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's a little distracted. About I don't know the ins and outs as some people do, but I <laughs> yeah. I have played through the stories. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, like it's weird. Like you know, it's uh, look at the expansions. Like Stormblood only came out what well, like last year. And so, like, uh, for some reason, I thought that was a lot longer ago. And I was like, well, we're about due for an expansion. But, you know, every patch, they just add a ton of content like you just talked about. So, you know, that's enough. That's free updates, you know, for a game. I mean, clearly you got to pay a monthly well, subscription Heaven's, for it. Heaven's Ward came out in 2015 and Stormblood came out in 2017. So, yeah. so they Fantastic might have something maybe? for 2019. Who knows? Yeah, they do have, like, yeah. was it, like, usually February, March, they have their fan fest uh, in, yeah. in Europe. And they sometimes announced stuff there so yeah in any case um you know that's sometimes just they have show. pre-expansion class releases too yeah. i mean it's it's different here also because this is a monthly subscription uh game you know which is you don't have many of those like besides like warcraft and a couple others so it's like this is a game when like their biggest competition is free to play like this is all profit for them and it's they're turning it into something ama- amazing uh for players and so yeah i, I always get surprised by the the number of like videos that my uh, followers share on Twitter. So that's pretty cool. But let's move into other news that we've got here because we've still got a few topics that we want to discuss. Um, so going from a revitalization of Final Fantasy XIV to the revitalization of Wild Arms. So back in December 2016, Sony announced the new subsidiary company, uh, Ford Works, which was meant to uh, you know, take their old properties and give them like a reboot. Uh, in different ways and for the most part we all kind of knew back then even then as like okay mobile games uh and that's sure enough uh about a couple months ago they revealed uh the new um arc the lad game uh that was going to come to mobile arc the lad r which recently launched and apparently is pretty good and so uh you know that's only in japan right now but uh from josh and other people that have played it i've heard really good things about it um especially the story and the gameplay so that's that's a good sign and now we've got wild arms million memories which all they said was that um this is from white flyer studios which is a prominent japanese app uh, developer um it's coming soon to japan but uh, i think the biggest thing about that is that you know it's set in the same world many of the same characters there's a new character named Brittany as well uh, and all this is in the news post regarding this game but um I think the biggest thing I saw, uh, you know, the sprites look like what they were in Wild Arms 1 and 2, you know, like they're like small sprites that run around the mm-hmm. battlefield. But now it's an action RPG. It's no longer a turn-based RPG. And so I kind of want to know, like, what uh, I think we've all played Wild Arms in this in this call. Yeah, I played 1 through 4. I might have played 5. 
Yeah, I love five a lot. Um, well, basically, all the Wild Arms games are turn-based, yes. with one spin-off being an R- yeah. an, a, a turn-based strategy RPG. So Six, none of them were action, yeah. really. Except, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the later ones use this hex-based. Uh, yeah. Three had this interesting Wild West theme where they had like horse. Uh, I mean, if you want to get pendant, yeah. I think the first several were round-based, and then yeah. it became yeah. based. Yeah, yeah some, some. that distinction matters to some people. Yeah, I know, I know it does. It does. Uh, but I uh, sorry to cut you off, uh, Adam. <laughs> no uh, but I cut. I cut. Off, well, I also cut off. We both just cut off Adam. We all cut off each other. That's how these these yeah. podcasts tend to go. But uh, so we should just call it that. Cut off the podcast. Cut cut off everything. Um, yeah. Cut off all arms. But quad slash. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, uh, you know, I don't know what you guys' opinion is from seeing the the, the trailer for this. I don't know if you've all watched it yet, uh, but. You know, um, I'm glad they stick to the the art style. You know, they didn't try to do something completely different like that. Goddamn Fantasy Star game still pisses me off. But uh, you know, Wild Arms, they at least stuck with the uh, they they've got the producer and the composer and 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 like they've got the returning characters and stuff like that. So there's plenty there to get excited about um, regarding this game as long as they pull it off well. I'm not hot about the fact that now it's a swipe based action RPG because that's that's kind of a messy thing, and I don't really like playing those types of games on the go. Like, I want something that's you know easy turn based. Well, well but that's at least it's own. not just like some kind of like card based, like oh, with like the one of the fantasy star one you mentioned. It's uh, I've seen way too many of those based off of popular franchises, and uh, at least the actual one kind of like gives it some kind of a little bit more a leg room to uh, be played over and over again, rather than kind of a card game where like i just i got the strongest characters and now i'll just stop yeah i mean this looks like it's a very by the numbers gotcha game like a lot Mm -hmm. of the same elements like you're going through main event quests going through the story apparently rudy is a bastard who turned his back on everyone and i want to know what's going on there because that's kind of shocking but um that that's something that uh you know hopefully hopefully we get to know more about i mean i think that if anything and you know people who don't know uh Rudy was from the original Wild Arms. <laughs> he's, the, yeah. he's the main guy. And AF, the re- oh, Ultra Code F, the remake. Yeah, that's one. well, of course, the same people there. That that makes sense. But um, yep. you know, it, it's it's you know, people might uh, you know be upset that that's a mobile game, but at the same time, you know, it could be the start of something for like a, a big reboot. Uh, hopefully, that that moves to consoles. Uh, based on the success of this, I mean, Wild Arms is still, in my opinion, uh, has a lot of brand recognition. Recognition. Words are hard, so I hope that uh, we get to learn more about that. Uh, but you know, for the most, for what it is, like I'm definitely going to try it out when it comes out, uh, even in Japan. Um, once again, they don't have a release date; they just said sometime soon. But I think Ark the Lad R had that uh, same label, and it came out like a week, <laughs> so like out of nowhere. So uh, it's definitely something that could happen. So hopefully, we get to learn about that. But going from one piece of mobile news to another, Dragalia Lost. Now, this is the Nintendo and Psy Games develop mobile game. This is the next mobile game from Nintendo. Uh, but this is way more relevant to our interests. And so uh, they had a Nintendo Direct that they hosted a few days ago on Tuesday uh, where they shared a lot more details on this. This was previously announced, uh, but they said that it was going to come out on September 27th in certain territories, which is the United States, Japan, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Macau, because <laughs> I've never heard of that place before and I feel ignorant. Uh, but it's M-A-C-A-U. Um, that's that's another place. <laughs> but it's, I, I was like, why not like New Zealand or Australia? It's like this other place that I've never heard of. 
Yeah, I think I've heard of it. I just I couldn't tell you where it is. Oh. <laughs> Basically, you don't know that much then. Um, no. Nope. But yeah, it's 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 uh, yet another action RPG. Uh, but you know, it's swipe based. So another one of those games that I have a difficult time going into. I do dig the art style. It's pretty neat. Uh, it reminds me of like that Grand Kingdom game that came out a long ago a little bit. Uh, but you know, it's it, it's something that I, I I like dragons and I like the look of it. So I'm I'm looking forward to checking out what exactly this is going to be like. Um, it's going to be in English, which helps. You don't see a lot of those mobile, uh, big mobile announcements for an English-based mobile RPG um, from developed in Japan, so this will be pretty nice to see. But it's definitely uh, another card. It's a card-based game. Uh, I would say, like, you roll for characters, and they all have stats. So Yeah. Just uh, in case anyone was wondering, I know nobody was, but I'm just going to say it anyway. It's right next to Hong Kong. It's been dubbed the Las Vegas of Asia, so it's pretty much just like, well, it's coming to Hong Kong. Why not give it to Macau? Yeah, and it, it, that does make sense. Okay, now I, uh, I know. Um, but yeah, and people are asking about like, why isn't it coming to Europe? Because Europe's not been getting a lot of these games lately. It's probably because they're passing a lot of laws lately regarding gambling and mobile games that they figured we're not going to make the kind of money we want to make. So why bother launching it in Europe? Uh, well, I wonder if they're going to do uh, like. Efig subtitles. Like I think the game is too dual dual audio, but for Europe they might add like French, German, uh, Italian, so on, Spanish, Spanish subtitles. Portuguese. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely possible. Uh, that would be great, honestly, because yeah, the more people that get to experience that in their own native language, the better. Just, just have an emoji translation. Just have it all in like pictures, <laughs> reactions. That's all. Just yeah. straight up emoji. I mean, that's just speculation, but you know. Nice. That's that's something that's important to that region, of course, more so than others. Yeah, all hopefully we we find out about that. But yeah, it's like you know, uh, Europe, from what I know, is really cracking down on those on those games. Like I think it was like the upcoming WWE 2K19 game is banned in Belgium because they don't like they yeah. uh, not banned, but they banned the NBA 2K was the one that they specifically responded on the NBA. It's like we're going to try to talk to these Belgian people and see what's going on. <laughs> Whatever. So that's that's probably why that's happening. So sorry, Europe, um, you're not going to probably get to play this game uh, unless you use the vpn like uh people would normally do um well adding lots some other news we've got here dragon quest builders 2 finally has a release date after being announced uh a year ago uh, was almost two years ago i yeah. forget how long it's been but it's it's a release date in japan but still waiting to hear if they we were gonna get it because i don't know like i can never kind of guarantee that games like that's going to come out here even though the first one does i think it would i think it would i mean every every dragon quest game has eventually (laughs) been localized recently joker 2 still didn't get it oh i guess there was that one yeah but the, the thing is is that like about a year ago um Yuji Horii mentioned in like a, an interview that he had um, that you know Dragon Quest Heroes was the start of them really pushing the product. I forget it was Heroes or Builders, but uh, it would make a lot of sense in this context for Builders. But like this is their mm-hmm. their way of like uh, you know uh, testing out the waters a little bit to make another big push of Dragon Quest in the West. And, you know, of course, with the upcoming yeah, release it was Heroes Dragon's- because I'm. I remember him saying, like, if enough people buy Heroes, we'll think about buy, uh, bringing other games over here. As yeah, game. and so far, it's been... And, you know, Drunkest Builders was very well-received, and so it would only make sense that they would bring over the sequel. Uh, it's a lot easier to bring over a sequel, in my opinion, than just the original title, but... Uh, By the way, Dragon Quest Builders 2 was announced August 6th of 2007. 
2018. Oh. So I was gonna say 2007. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that there was a there was a there was a stream on that. I remember capturing the footage uh, from that. And the thing that they they showed off, they alluded to in that footage from a, over a year ago, was the fact that it was going to have co-op, local co-op. Um, so <laughs> the big news from and this, a male and female character. So. Yeah. So the the thing about this is though, not just it's male and female characters, is that there's going to be four player co-op, which is awesome. Like that, that the the fact that you have uh, three other players aside from you all building this big town together, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and they put out some new footage, a new trailer for the game, a couple of new trailers, in fact. Uh, we've got the newest post for that, of course, too. But that'll be out on um, December twentieth in Japan. Uh, and those who pick up the game early uh, will get uh, a ton of. Um, let's see, it just it, it talks about that. There's going to come with a bonus recipe to construct a slime tower, which sounds fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and there's also Oops. another recipe to craft pixel art decorations of legacy Dragon Quest heroes. And so I wonder what the story is going to be like because the first Dragon Quest was like an alternate history of Dragon Quest one and so i wonder you mean dragon quest was... builders one was an alternate yeah dra- that's what sorry that's what i mean dragon quest builders yeah. was an al- uh portrayed an alternate history of the original dragon quest so i wonder how they're going to portray this one maybe two well <laughs> did they talk about erdrick and uh dragon quest builders one i think so yeah yeah well in dragon quest builders 2 they have um the villain his name slips me right now from Dragon Quest 2. So it seems like oh. they're kind of maintaining that. <laughs> We're going to get a Dragon Quest 11, a Builders 11 at some point. Is this the way it's going to go? But yeah, it seems like they're main, they're maintaining that sort of idea that like this is a sort of an alternate version of Dragon Quest 2 in a some is sort that, of loose way. Is it Malroth? Yes. That, yeah. Well, he's got a different name in English in Japan, yeah. so it's, you know, it's kind of difficult depending on who, what where you're reading the news. Yeah, and there and, and people who played Bayern. the first one will get some bonuses in the sequel. So the obviously the motivation's there to play it, and it's already announced oh, yeah. for PS4 and Switch. And so you know that that means that's available to you. So hopefully, and up to up to this point, Square Enix USA hasn't said a peep about it. We nope. like literally nothing. <laughs> nope, so. nothing at all. But you know, check out that footage there because yeah, that I I've yet to play Drunkos Builders. That's one of my next games on my docket that I really want to play. So Yeah. Uh, I played some of it. I got to like this kind of swampy area. I think it was the second world area. And I just I found this trick at the end of the first world where you could like build rooms on top of rooms and get like a multiplication bonus, like an exponential and like and it, it seemed like kind of a cheap way out, but at the same time, it helped me get some of the last few trophies before moving on. And it was cool while it lasted. It just, at a certain point, you're doing the same things over and over and a lot of picking up of stuff. And I hope they add more to the game to kind of give it that the legs and a bit more longevity than the first game did. Well, I think they already, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they already confirmed that they're not going to wipe your town when you move on to the next area. Like, it, 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 I, I don't know if yeah. it carries over, but there's something else they plan on doing with that, which would be great. Because I think that was yeah. the big bummer is that you have to start all over every time you move to a different stage. So hopefully we'll find out about that. I don't think you could, I don't think you could go back is the thing. Yeah. I mean that's yeah, what I, I mean. Like they're presented in a different way. There's a so chapter select, but yeah, yeah. It's but I, I'm talking about not doing it yeah. that way. Like it's going to be a different uh, structure to it. But we'll find out. Yeah. But in other yeah. news, we've got here too is that so of course uh, with the recent launch of Yakuza, uh, Yakuza Kiwami Two, uh, we've got a review up on the site from Kazuma, like we talked about during the last podcast. Um, we yeah. went in depth. I got in the mail. So Yakuza Studio. Uh, just the other day, everything's just the other day, but they announced that they're going to uh, reveal their next IP 
sometime in this month, in September. So uh, Tokyo Game Show kicks off in a, in a few weeks, but there's also a Sony conference being held on September 10th, which the speculation is that is Sony's pre-TGS. It's not explicitly that called that, uh, but that's what it probably is going to be anyway. So potentially they could reveal that there. It's not going to be Yakuza because Yakuza Online is the end of Curious. Or that was like the Yakuza. Excuse me, Yakuza Six was the end of Kazuma Kiryu's storyline. Yakuza Online, which is the upcoming mobile game that's going to be out sometime soon here in Japan, uh, that is a whole new main character, and so they're actually going to be announcing a new IP. Hopefully, it's something we can cover as a site, but you know, regardless. Um, so that's that's going to be happening, but also. Um, with the recent launch of Yakuza Kwame 2, Sega put out a survey, which they tend to do with all their big releases. And on that survey, uh, they alluded to asking if people wanted to, uh, you know, if they'd be interested in buying uh, localizations of Yakuza spinoffs. Now, they didn't explicitly <laughs> say this, but uh, that would include Yakuza Ishin and Kenzan. Uh, and which, Black Panther, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so the reason that this is noteworthy is because uh, around springtime... <laughs> let, let me get through the news out first. Yeah, uh, but a part of it is that uh, during the springtime, uh, there was uh, in the survey that they revealed uh, there was Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. Uh, they asked people if they wanted them to localize that game, and that clearly is coming true uh, very soon here. And I think October. Speaking of October's, yeah, October second, uh, I believe. October second. So uh, yeah, so the fact that this is on there would mean that uh, while. Yakuza Studio is looking to move on from the series. Uh, it would kind of make sense that now that Yakuza, uh, the series, and has been growing pretty rapidly in the West, think, thanks uh, in part to the success of Yakuza Zero, I think that's what really you know kicked everything off because it was so great, uh, uh, so well done last year, that they are moving to bring everything else here as well. So not just Dead Souls. <laughs> so that'd be uh, <laughs> it'd be great uh, if they did that. Uh, we've had plenty of discussions about how there might be some issues regarding that because it has a very thick approach to imperialism uh, in the way it portrays that uh, in Japan. And so there might be people who are lost on that topic over here, and they might or feel maybe offended by offended that. By it. Yeah, that's yeah. that. That would make sense. But you know, we've had games that offended people way worse, and so I don't think that's uh, to be with all due respect to. Uh, Kazuma's argument on that case, it's like, you know, I think that for the most part, people want the purest Yakuza experience possible. And if it means playing as one of uh, Kazuma Kiryu's ancestors um, and going through that story, as someone who played the demos for both those games, they're both available on PS3 and PS4 in the Japanese stores, I think to this day. You can still grab them. Um, I've only played Kenzon myself. Yeah, Ishin's great too. You should really try that one. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, uh, they're PS4 and PS3 games, by the way, people don't know. And they're all set yeah. in an older Japanese history. Um, people should uh, check that out. But in any case, if they come out in English, great. It means you don't have to watch YouTube playthroughs of subtitles, English sub versions of that. You can actually play it for yourself. And they all are fantastic in their own cases. Like having the Yakuza humor uh, set in this old J Japanese era. Oh, plenty of slapstick humor there. Uh, it reminds me of like the old Bitakeshi movies. And so that'd be really cool to see that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah. And um, on the last piece of news we've got here, moving on from that. Uh, James spotted this. This was like in a French, I think it was a French interview uh, outlet. Uh, they had an that interview right. with the uh, president of Neon Falcon and asked him like, what's what's going on after East 8 with the recent launch of that? And while we had this big thing at Anime Expo last year where the Neon Falcon's president had a, had a um, uh, 
person a panel a panel i was thinking of the word panel uh, <laughs> one of the questions that were brought up is that if you wanted to uh since everything else has been remade what about east five because uh, that has not had a remake at all and he said you know this is something that we've been working on a long time we have all these old game design documents that we've been holding on to they did the proper thing with their source code anyway yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and so um you know that's something that they said you know we wanted to bring that back you know we store a lot of the things that we had to scrap because of development issues back when we first made east five uh so that's something that would be really cool to see uh but uh in that interview he just said no we're moving on to east nine <laughs> so you know yeah. that's kind of a bummer um uh, adam obviously of course you're also another big neon falcon fan uh what do you think of uh, what, what was your reaction when you heard that news Oops, sorry, I got to unmute my mic there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if you've been talking all this time, we just haven't heard you, but yeah. Nah. Um, I mean, I really don't care if it's a remake or not, or if it's a new game. One thing I kind of like about East is that while there is like a chronological order and like, okay, this event, this adventure happened first and this adventure happened next and this one's last. Canon, and, yeah. and like, the, and while there's, a, while I do appreciate like a couple of ties from games here and there, um, you know, just just to kind of tie things together, I actually do appreciate that they are mostly standalone like adventures, and you can kind of play one without knowing the other. It doesn't really matter that much, um, because each adventure is like its own little thing. Um, so like, like just, you could completely lost on the significance of Dogi. <laughs> I well, think I went that way. Yeah, but it's just like I don't really care if it's like oh. The, uh, I get to see the events of because I have not played uh, East Five because it's the only one that doesn't have a English mm-hmm. version, like at least officially. No, um, yeah. And so, like, I I literally have no idea what happens in East Five, but it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> like, nothing that pass that happens after that like relies it relies on that information. So, if it's whether it's something new or something not quite so new, it doesn't really matter to me. Well, I don't know, like, I mean, some I'll, kind of I'll, desert I'll, situation I'll, that's on. I'll be interested either way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the rumors have been that, you know, not just the East 5 remake, that potentially they were working on a new Tokyo Xanadu. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe we'll hear about that. Maybe that'll be two different projects happening, um, or three different projects, in fact. I mean, to remake 5, uh, actually, I, I mean, I, I don't personally know. I don't remember how big the Neon Falcon team is. But, you know, they could, they could, it could also be something they can outsource like they did. It wasn't East Five like the one where they split between two different projects. So was that for like well, different companies? Well, the original yeah. versions of East Four were developed by like Hudson or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hudson and a different company. Uh, it was yeah. not. It was the one, like I think that was the case with like, Salsetto was the yeah. first one. Yep, that was the first one that, that they, they actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the first one that they actually like developed themselves and not just licensed. Exactly. Uh, let's see. I- I'm gonna look this up because I no. You're. I think you're right. Uh, I'm. Pr- I'm pretty sure you're right. East Five is like the. Was it Lost Kefin? What's that? What's the subtitle called? But, uh, yeah, Lost Kefin, Kingdom of Sand. Kingdom of Sand. That was the other part. Yes. Uh, but you know, I mean, just just the fact that having all of them in English officially would be pretty cool. And I wonder if that's something that you know, hopefully, exceed. It has a PS2 version, so it'd be easier to do it that way instead of going all the way back to Super Famicom to. 
I mean, if they were going to give it to us at all, like even if it's not like a remake, it just remaster that PS2 version would be fine enough for me. Yeah, that's it goes into a weird place because there's all other PS2 entries of that series, like remasters and stuff like that, that they did not use for their new versions. But we'll uh, we'll find just out just to I finalize that arc of Nefishtim. Just to finalize the trivia, East Four. Mask of the Sun was developed by Tonkin House, yes, primarily, <laughs> and East for Donavis was was developed by Hudson Soft. Yep, and, and then Salsetta being the third version, and the most recent and the most canon, it was the one developed <laughs> by Actual Falcom, mostly, you know, primarily. Yeah, I think before then, I think Mask of the Sun, if I'm not mistaken, was the one that they kind of fans kind of considered canon, and then it, it totally was replaced by Salsetta. Memories of Salsetta which is the game mm-hmm. that came out on Vita and PC recently. So, yeah. Uh, but that's enough talking about canon, because the East one is super confusing, and people like to argue about origin and all that stuff. But, you know, um, I mean, origins, for a fact, it is the origin of the series. But that's just, you know, people argue about that all the time. But um, that's it for the news of the week. Got plenty of stuff to come up here. Uh, you know, currently in the midst of covering for Valkyrie Chronicles 4, won't ever review up this week. That's not, uh, it won't be for later, uh, but it'll definitely be pre-release. People want to check that out. And as I mentioned on the site, where you guys can find us is on RPGsite.net. We've got reviews for Luca Born of the Dream, Born of a Dream, excuse me, Divinity Original Sin 2, Definitive Edition, the console version of that, and Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age. None of us have played it, so we couldn't really talk about this on the podcast, but Liz, who I very much trust to know what she's talking about because she did those beginner's guides for Dragon Quest. She's a huge fan of that, and the review showed as much. She really went in-depth on that. She did a great job on it. Uh, 10 out of 10, and that is one of only eight, I think, uh, 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. scores we've ever given, and we've given over. We've scored over, like I think it's like 500, 600 games at this point. It's a lot, and so it's saying something when we give a game a perfect score. And from everything that all of us here have heard before the when the game came out in Japan, people were praising it a lot, calling it one of the best entries in the series, and the localization only solidified that, it seems. So uh, be sure to give that a read if you'd like to learn more about that. All the news we talked about, of course, is on there as well, uh, and plenty of guides. People want to check that out, too. Also, you can find us on Twitter at RPG Site, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash RPG Site Net, youtube.com slash RPG Site Net. Check out our videos there. I put up uh, last week, I put up a playthrough of that Zone of the Enders second runner Orange Case demo. The reason it's called that is because the first demo for Zone of the Enders second runner came in an Orange Case. Fun fact. Uh, but that game's out next week, and I might do a full playthrough on that and put it on YouTube as well. So be looking on the lookout if I do so. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. We're on there. Please leave a review. You can find us on Discord, discord.me slash RPG site. And lastly, we'd like to leave you where you can find us on Twitter. So where can they find you? Adam Reese. You can find me at AM Reese and on Twitter. They, thank you. And where can they find you? Adam Vitali. <laughs> K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Great. And you can find me at Zach Reese. So, that's it for this edition of the TetraCast, September 1st, 2018. Uh, thank you, Adam. And thank you, Adam, for being a part of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, Adam, recently, I'll leave you to your pizza because I know it's probably cold by now. But everyone out there, <laughs> thank you for listening to this edition and catch us next week for yet another episode of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone. <laughs>